The All Black Podcast is powered by our official cloud software partner, SAP, helping our teams in black become the best-run teams in sport. To listen to this episode and all the All Black Podcasts, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Kirafano, welcome to episode 16 of the All Black Podcast, powered by SAP, and it's getting to the end of the year, which means it's award season. ASB Rugby Awards are on this Thursday night, December the 8th, screening on Sky Sport 1 and Prime at 8.30pm to break it down and debrief the 2023 season of the host of the ASB Rugby Awards, Kirsty Stanway and Joey Wheeler. Welcome to the studio team, jetting in from Kirsk, where are you getting ready for the radio show over in Parnell, and Joey, you're down south, is that right? That's right, brother. Down in the deep south, um, a terrible, terrible start to summer down here. Like, <laughs> I, I tell you, we get a bad rap for the weather in, in the deep south. But I was going to say, as opposed to, to other years, as opposed to yes, other years, yeah, Joey. It's really living up to it this this summer. Uh, <laughs> I think it's about ten degrees outside and coming in horizontal the rain. So, yeah, beautiful start to the summer down in the deep south. But yeah, like you said, wrapping the season. It's crazy to think that it's come to an end I'm, so, I'm sure Kirst, you're feeling the same way it's actually it's hard to think back to everything that's happened over the last what we're talking 11 months yes it doesn't even feel like we've had super rugby this year and everything else that went on between january and, and july because the obviously the women's world cup has just gone gangbuster ever since so for me those are the highlights that stick up we're going to dump things a little bit more aren't we yeah, absolutely. But firstly, guys, most importantly, because I feel it's my job to to be holistic in my role, how's the Christmas list? Have you got it ticked off? Have you got oh it all sorted? God. You're not one of those last-minute people, are you? Um, you know, I've, I've got a good wife who's sorted that all out, I think. So, But how are you guys tracking? I think I need a wife because <laughs> I'm absolutely terrible. And everyone looks at me and says, oh, you'll be organised. I've done absolutely nothing, haven't bought a single present, and I got an email uh, today saying it's 13 business days until Christmas, which is uh. it's scary. It's actually scary. So if anyone's got any suggestions, um, most importantly, what to buy, a very fussy fiancé, I, I need your help. I really need your help. I'll tell you what not to buy. Don't buy Crocs because I can't stand Crocs and I don't know if they that's... Crocs. Uh, I'm everyone, not uh, Crocs. everyone else no, seems no, to no. want these Crocs. You either have them like the old school Crocs or these Yeezy Crocs <laughs> if you're real fashionable. I'm not fashionable. I don't like Crocs, so um, that's my no, what not to. Joey, what, what, how's no, your Christmas shopping going? You need to buy some Crocs, mate. They're revolutionary. <laughs> they will change your life. I was a Croc knocker. I was a Croc knocker, and I'm not. A, I was in your camp, Randy. And then I got up here last year, oh. uh, much to the the sort of. Well, Courtney actually got them for me, my wife, and and I put them on, and they are like Christmas on your feet, mate. And oh. when you activate the sport mode, lift up the back flap, you, oh. can, you can chase oh. the kids down the beach, Holy you can jump in and out of the boat, uh, seamless. I can't believe they even sell them in the South Island, Joey. This is not <laughs> what a southern man who drinks Spanish should be wearing. Hang on, hang, yeah, hang about. It's either that or Birkenstocks, right? Well, that's it, yeah. and I've I've branched out a little bit because I'm trying to fight off sort of boomer tendencies. But yeah, I've got the plastic Berkies, which is about as far as I can go at the moment. But um, look, we'll see, mate. Who knows what summer and, and the new year will I bring? Not as far yet, though, Ralphie. <laughs> my, my daughter, my daughter, who's who's coming up four, going on fourteen. She has these things in her 
uh, Crocs called gibbets, and she keeps uh, asking yeah. where my gibbets uh, are. You yeah, know those yeah, little yeah, badges yeah. that they put yeah. in them. I know exactly yeah, what so you're talking about. I've avoided the gibbets so far, but uh, look, you need to get on them. But my Christmas shopping, no, non-existent at this stage. I'm a last-minute man. I perform best under pressure, so that's my advice to uh, everyone out there. You always make really good, sound decisions when you're under the pump. You might pay a little bit more, but you'll get it done. Mate, I agree. Nothing like a deadline to sharpen the focus. Guys, let's get into it. A little bit of warm-up, like we do with all the players who come in here. I don't want you guys going in cold either. (laughs) Favourite All Black growing up for you guys? Does anyone spring to mind in your youth? Who was yours, Joey? Oh, (laughs) look, I I always get asked this, and and I now have the uh, pleasure of working with the bloke, but it was Jeff Wilson. Oh, how good. um, Was my favourite, just... Purely, probably like every every kid in New Zealand, um, wanted to be an All Black and wanted to be a Black Cap, and that bloke did both. And um, yeah, loved the way he played, the chip and chase. Uh, tried to replicate that many a time in the in the um, in the backyard. Then actually tried it several times out on the um, on the actual <laughs> playing field as well. To um, limited success, uh, sure. fair to say, but yeah, probably. Uh, Jeff Wilson and also Zinzan Brook was was another favourite of mine. Just um, yeah. I'll never get to the feats of either of those blokes, but um, two guys that I, I remember fondly from my childhood. Could Chris, be, yeah. um, could be. Will he be the last? Be the last man ever to to be the double international? It just doesn't seem possible anymore, does it? With the way no, sort of. There's one bloke. There's one bloke still giving it a, a good crack, and that's Jock McKenzie. Yes, out of yeah, Auckland. I've heard that young. He's, yep. he's um, he's playing semi-professionally for the Aces, uh, obviously has played for the Blues and Auckland. So oh, yeah. whether he reaches, I don't think he'll be able to reach those sort of heights. It's just near impossible now with the clashes and um, and sort of timetables. But, yeah, there's a guy that's holding on uh, for dear life, which I, which I love and respect. Oh, absolutely. Kirsty? Mine's a little bit embarrassing um, because I also have worked with him recently and he won't know this, but... I waited for him in a long line at a mall when I was about 10 or 11 years old in Wellington. Uh, and that was Carlos Spencer. Because oh, when we were good. kids, dad was the biggest blues fan. Like he was an awkward man through and through. And we were forced to sit there and watch rugby on the weekends. We didn't enjoy it at the time because we were so young. But there was nothing else on the TV except rugby. So we were forced to watch it. We were all Auckland blues fans and Carlos Spencer was the guy. And I've somewhere I've got this picture with him. As a 10 or 11-year-old with him signing the back of my shirt, it's somewhere. It'll, I'll dig it up one day. He was question. a magician. Magician, yep. Question on that. Anything to do with the toffee, toffee pop? <laughs> I was 11, Joey. I was 11. I don't even know if the toffee pops ad was even out then, was it? Hey, hang about. Hang about. <laughs> An absolute magician, and I was a Crusaders fan, but even I would grit the teeth and say, geez, this guy could play, and, and great to see him back coaching in the Auckland area and, and Kirstie you've seen him recently obviously he doesn't look any different does he he's still ripped to shreds and looks like he could run out on the field tomorrow like it's ridiculous well he didn't have a shirt off when he was hosting uh, Sky Sports coverage but <laughs> everything looked like it was in place unreal when you guys are driving in getting ready uh, to be part of the commentary team or the match day experience what's on the Spotify playlist what gets you guys going so recently, uh, everyone has obviously been doing Spotify rap. That, yeah, that's, totally. that's what everyone does, right? The first day of December, it comes out every year, your top five artists, the top five songs. For me, it's Medeon, Harry Styles, it's Coachella. 
we went to Coachella in April. It was the craziest experience. And we just kept playing the same songs of the artists that we saw over and over. And every time I hear them, it takes me back to the Coachella experience. Yeah, good. Joey? So those are the songs. Um, yeah, I was. I went to the same thing. What was what was hot on um, on Joe Wheeler's playlist? Believe it or not, six sixty made it through uh, to the top. Uh, then, then just recently, obviously played Billy Joel. Oh, uh, my life. That's one of my ultimate all time jams. Uh, then the Wiggles um, <laughs> somehow made it into the top three. Uh, so. Yeah, I blame the kids on that. And then Dua Lipa as well, which my daughter does a brilliant Dua Lipa um, impersonation. Uh, so, yeah, it's a mixture. But I'm I'm mad about my old school, love my old school music. Had a great musical education from my from my parents. My dad's a music nut, loves his concerts and and um, and playing tunes around the house. So I'm into everything, Rowdy. But, yeah, I can't go past um, 660. They are just my all-time favourite, I think. You know, sort of like the Dave Dawood of our generation. I think they're going to be a generational band that'll that'll live on forever. And I just absolutely love every single one of their songs. Um, have it on repeat. Uh, yeah, so that's probably me. But yeah, my life from Billy Joel is, uh, <laughs> is a club banger of mine at the moment. Come on, Joey. For those that weren't lucky enough to be at Eden Park, give us a wee snippet of your karaoke song. Oh. Of my karaoke song? It is your karaoke song, Billy Joel. Oh, well, uh, the... What, what one cursed? Because you know I do like to dabble in a few. This is my life. Oh jeez, I don't know if I can. We get, we'll get the, we'll get the bit of backup. Oh, there it we'll get is. Bit of <laughs> <laughs> it's it is. Jeez, sorry, Kane, it's taking a bit too long. <laughs> I think we've broken the licensing rules, mate. We've yeah. gone past eight seconds. That's not bad. <laughs> Guys. Yeah. Mate, that's not too bad at all, actually. Not too bad at all. Well, that's five years in Japan for you, mate, every night now the carriage. <laughs> <laughs> I want you guys to. Go back in the memories a little bit. First game in the commentary team. Can you remember what it was? How did it go? Was it was it smooth? Were you nervous? Like so often we ask players about their first games, their first experiences, huckers, national anthems, all that sort of stuff. Can you remember the first time you had to be on the mic? Yeah. You go, Joe. No, please. <laughs> oh, we're telling embarrassing stories. My first time doing sideline commentary was – uh, for the All Blacks, uh, 2020 Rugby Championship in Australia when we went into lockdown. And it was horrific. <laughs> I was honestly, I was so nervous that I couldn't even talk. And my now fiance was sitting next to me as like a floor manager. So he was helping me with substitutions and whatnot at the time. And he was yelling at me like, oh, pick up your mic. I couldn't talk. I was absolutely crapping myself. And Upstairs is Grant Lisbeth and Marshy. I've never even done sideline on a super rugby game, let alone an all-works game, and I was packing it. So nervous. And I think back to it, and it literally makes me squeam right now. Oh, oh, and the thing is, too, no one would have noticed. Like, those things just <laughs> go in your head. You, you really work them up, don't they? But I bet you the viewers didn't know. But that that sounds like you got chucked in the deep end and uh, without a paddle and had to have a crack. Oh, that was horrendous. Joey? 
That wasn't that bad, Chris. I mean, you did a great job. We're going to go yeah, look that up. My first game, my first game was same sideline comments, comments, NPC game, and it was the blockbuster of the round. <laughs> Counties Manukau versus Northland <laughs> at Pukekohe. So you can just imagine the eyeballs on that thing, Randy, right? was just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Sunday Big afternoon. <laughs> Huge. Um, but oh, we had, I had a great time. I was calling it with, um, Jeff McTainch was lead oh, yeah. comments. Uh, James Chipper Parsons uh, was expert, and I was sideline. And it was a horrific day. And I hadn't dressed for the conditions. Um, got just wet, soaked through um, from head to toe. Then had a, a great after half time. Um, done the coaches' interviews at half time. Then sort of had a bit of a. I went to the toilet. Um, got a drink of water, then was walking back down the tunnel, and, the, and they were throwing to me while I was walking down the. Yeah, have you guys <laughs> been to? Um, yeah, I have the long Stadium. tunnel. Yeah, it's yeah. like the longest tunnel of all time, and I it can is. hear them throwing to me. And I'm like, there's no way I'm talking here because I've got <laughs> just got the MP so I'd, I come back in and, and I was probably, I think, about two minutes late into the second half, and I was like, don't worry, guys, I'm back, and I can <laughs> confirm the weather is still terrible. <laughs> was so, yeah. What's the go there when you're in that job? Like, they say, like, you need to tell us injury changes. You need to tell us, like, what is it? Or is it just we're going to throw to you and you need to have yeah, something on hand? Honestly, <laughs> I, I, this is one thing they don't tell you about when you, for me, I, you know. I still just, don't know. Rugby, <laughs> but you, you, you um, go from being a rugby player into um, broadcasting or whatever. There's no, there's no training. There's no, um, this is what you're doing. It's, it's sort of just fly by the seat and and hope that you get it right. And um, more times than not, I find I get it wrong, but you just keep learning from that and um, hope, you, hope they keep uh, asking you to come back and do it again. But, yeah, there's a lot of just learn on the go, lean on a few people, ask them questions. But, yeah, there's no... Um, no template. School of, school of, yeah, template of what you've got to do, man. you just got to, um, I suppose, bring your own flavour and your point of difference and whatever that might be, um, I suppose, run with it. But, yeah, there, there, there's it's sink or swim sort of stuff. Yeah. Jesus. Is, um, if you could have three New Zealand rugby players around for dinner, who would they be and why? Um, maybe you don't have to go 3H, maybe think of three between years, but uh, <laughs> I like to think that you guys get to see behind the curtain a little bit and have a um, you know more of a relationship with a lot than a lot of us do. Um, who would you be having around for the summer barbecue or or for the dinner party when you put on your number ones and show your best? Um, I'm going to go old school with my first guest. Yeah. Uh, Mark Mark Ellis. Oh, me. yeah, totally. Uh, top of the list. Oh, absolutely. Like my childhood following that guy and his antics uh, and have got to know him um, while, while I was playing for the Highlanders when he'd come down here, but also... Uh, post footy as well, champion bloke, life of the party, um, stories galore. Uh, he'd be brilliant. Um, the other one that I'd, I'd I'd have along would be actually an Australian that I got to know <clears throat> while I was playing up in Japan, George Smith. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolute legend of the game, I think. Um, one of the best players uh, that I, I've been lucky enough to play with or against. Uh, phenomenal on the field, but an even better bloke off it, if you're picking up what I'm putting down there. Yeah. Um, yeah, just plays for all the right reasons, um, heart of gold, and, and a laugh a minute. Um, 
And was yeah, still playing to a crazy high standard in the last couple <laughs> of years as career Ray turned out for Aussie a couple of times and it was like he didn't miss a beat. It was unreal. Yeah, amazing, mate. Yeah, an amazing footy player. And the last one would be uh, Ruby Tui. She just, she cracks me up, man. She is absolutely hilarious. Um, and I think her star's only going to just keep rising um, and have been lucky enough to um, have a bit to do with her over the last few years with Sky, but also um, seeing what she she and the rest of the um, Blackferns um, ladies did over that World Cup. Uh, she is just a, an absolute national treasure and, yeah, a real hard shot. So I'd love that those three to get together. Um, and, yeah, the dinner might be optional, but we'd, um, we'd have a lot of fun for sure. 100%. Kirst, anyone spring to mind? Yeah, I'm I'm with Joey on his last one. Ruby Tui would be top of my list. Um, pure entertainment and she has to be there. Uh, if you're looking at uh, like a musician, Ruahe Demont oh, is yeah. always great. Oh. She can bring out the guitar, do a little bit of singing. I'm sure Ruby Tui will get involved in that as well. Maybe Tutu to Minor, Iwi and some other Kiwi classics. And then maybe someone to uh, bring some treats along. Uh, Stacey Flula. So I'm yeah. going new school. All the women who are the stars of the Rugby World Cup. She's an incredible baker. During lockdown, she made the most amazing feast, and she'll be bringing something good for dessert. So those would be my three. Mate, great parties. Jeez, Ruahei just continues to have strings to her bow, doesn't it? Anytime you hear something about her, there's something else that she can do well. Talented lady. Guys, I want to do bef- – you go, Joe. Musician, lawyer and lawyer. musician. Pretty quality. Ferns captain. Decent footy player. Everything. She's got it all. Yeah. 100%. Richie McCaw. It's not good enough. Totally. Yeah. There's something to be said for small town New Zealand. They breed some good ones, don't they? It's unreal. Um, before we get into the some of the, the awards that you guys are co-hosting um, in a couple of days, let's have a look at the non-awards awards and... and um, <laughs> who's the who's the best co-commentator to go with in the aftermatch? You know, once it's all done and dusted and the microphones are put down, job's done. You know, who are you who are you catching up with in the post? Depends if you want to get home or not. If you're looking at Night <laughs> Affair, then uh, Joe Wheeler isn't too bad himself. He'll probably drag you to a karaoke bar uh, <laughs> like he's in Tokyo back at Rapongi again. <laughs> all the young ones are good fun though. Uh, they're all great fun, and the oldies actually give it a good crack too, right? Yeah. I shouldn't call them old. There are, there are. <laughs> the experienced ones. The experienced yeah. ones. They're all good fun, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've we've actually had a lot of a lot of my stories always seem to involve uh, one Kirsty Stanway um, Rowdy, but our old mate Izzy Dag, we, we used to um, have a pretty good little trifecta that. Um, we used to roll around a bit together and we used to have a Thursday night show, God bless it, the rugby club. Um, and it got cut last year due to due to COVID and cost cutting and whatnot. But there was a Thursday night show uh, up in Auckland and, you know, small town kid like me, when I go to Auckland, it always ends pretty badly. <laughs> Get excited. <laughs> Get a little bit excited. And, and Israel was the same. And normally we'd just drag <laughs> Kirsty along. Uh, just because she had to. So someone yeah, responsible. Long, long someone had times, to be responsible, didn't it? God, the lads. Yeah, leave the leave the rental car, get an Uber, and drop the rental car keys off in the morning when you're flying back to Dunedin. So, yeah, this is a tough one because I get the feeling there's you know there's a few train spotters in the crew, but when you go into the rugby pub quiz, you know who you're taking along with you if you can only take one because it seems like there's some uh, some of the crew know their stuff, but that could be smoke and mirrors. Like who's who you taking along? 
It's a straight toss-up between the two lead callers, isn't it, Joey? Grand Mr. Tony Johnson. You have yeah. one, I'll have the other. We'll go head-to-head. I would actually, I've sat beside in between um, Grant and Ian Smith, actually, at a luncheon. Ooh. And those two going head-to-head, they love to try one-up each other. And I've never seen anything quite like it. Like, the questions that they were coming up with, trying to trap each other, it was staggering. Like, I'm like, Far out. These two are in sporting encyclopedias. Get them in the um, the you know national museum. But it was it was unbelievable. So I actually had I knew you would go either um, Nisbo or TJ, and I thought if you if you didn't pick um, Nisbo, if you didn't if you pick Nisbo, I was going to go um, Smithy. Nice. Uh, just he's got a, a rounded uh, view, not just rugby. Obviously, the cricket angle as well, and the racing angle. Uh, obviously. Uh, um, not shy of a punt, so yeah, he'd go good in the pub quiz and go good uh, on the handles as well. Trust me. It's funny you mentioned those two because after the Queen passed away earlier this year, um, <laughs> bless her soul, but we were sitting there at a bar in Christchurch. It was the day she'd passed away after a Crusaders game and Smithy and Nisbo were sitting there at the table and they started talking about the 70 years that she'd had on the throne and they started listing every single um like prime minister that had ever oh she'd ever overseen, and this is over a seventy-year period. Their knowledge is unbelievable, and it isn't. It's not just sport. That's just one example. Oh my lord! Yeah, I can I can imagine that, and that absolute encyclopedia. It's good to hear from some of the statesmen of the commentary box. What about um? You know, it all it all seems to go pretty well. But is there any bloopers, any comms this year that might take out an award, like when the that doesn't quite make it through to the public eye? Does anything spring to mind? I mean, I do dumb shit all the time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but something that stands out is, is hard to think about. Is there anything that stands out for you, Joey? Bound to be like some of the content stuff that I've shot this year. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's bound to be right? um, And some of the stuff that comes out of my mouth during a live broadcast, you probably, yeah, take your pick, mate. Yeah, no, yeah. mate, we might just leave that for another podcast. Is, uh, <laughs> And last one, favourite player to interview, which might be linked to some of that stuff, but there's, you know, um, some pretty good personalities here. Sometimes they show you more personality off mic, but who's who's been some of your favourite players to interview this year? It's been it's been a big old year for footy. Oh, hey, first. <laughs> Are you frozen or am I? I wasn't sure. Um, my favourite person to interview uh, has been for some time now, Brad Weber, because no matter what, it doesn't matter what the result of the game was, you know you're always getting pure honesty. And yeah. he he always just sprinkles some magic in there. And, you know, he, he speaks from the heart. He always speaks from the heart. But he's been surpassed by Ruby Toy after this last World Cup. I was so lucky I got to interview her a number of times after uh, some of those matches and she captivates you. You cannot not listen to her when she's speaking, you know. You're in awe of her and she gets everyone listening. She had an entire nation. She had the world listening to what she was saying over a six-week period. So she's now my absolute favourite to interview. Joey? Yes, yeah, no, oh, I, I agree with Ru- well, your sentiments around Ruby. Um, just so engaging, so authentic, so genuine. Um, yeah, absolutely loved what she did. And, and actually, hats off to that 
all those black fans. Like they, yeah. if there's one, like the men, the all blacks, I hope they were watching throughout that World Cup as to how to engage a nation in your team is exactly what that black fan side did. They were just themselves. That's the key. They weren't cliche. They weren't anything else other than themselves. They were having fun. They were just loving their time in that jersey and in that moment. And everyone could see that. And that's what, I, that, to their credit, that's what made us all fall in love with, I think, not only that team, but that but rugby again. It probably got a little bit stale over the last wee while, but that team has reinvigorated, I believe, rugby in this country, and and it's because of how they interacted with with everyone. Um, but yeah, my favourite interview. There's a few. Uh, I always love. It's not actually a player um, coach. I love uh, chatting to to Razor. Um, uh, yes. Purely the same the same thing. He's always a great interview uh, because he's he's himself and he's honest um, and he's not guarded at all because he's so confident um, in his own ability and. That resonates with everybody, not only the interview, uh, the interviewer, but also it gets the best out of him because you're, you're captivated, like Kirsty said. And the more that our, I believe, all our sports uh, men and women in this country do that, um, the more cut through they're going to have, and um, the better, the easier job it is for us as well because um, we're just about shining the spotlight on them and, and their feats. Uh, so yeah, I, I love interviewing him, and as a player and. From a playing perspective, I, I always love um, chatting to my mates, and one of them is James Lynchus. I had to do quite a few with him, losing interviews with him this year for Otago, and his brutal honesty is always really appreciated. Um, I love it when you say, oh, you know, today it's just not quite – mate, we're just not good enough. We're, you know, I don't know what's going on. And he's quite angry, like you think he's going to bite the end of the microphone off, and I love I like that. It. Yeah, I like it. Guys, it's been a big old year, and and as we talked about off camera, it's actually it's hard to blim and wind the clock back a wee bit and and remember it all started. But it started with Super Footy, and God, we had it feels like this was I don't know what it feels like to you, but it feels like to me it was two, three, four years ago. But when Omicron hit and the Super Rugby draw, the first one, two, or three versions of that got ripped up. We finally got going with Kiwi teams playing Kiwi teams and and Aussie teams playing Aussie teams before we went to the crossover stuff, but. You know, for the awards side of things, it's Will Jordan, Stephen Perifetta and Artie Severa, the three names that have come to the top. And, geez, that's pretty tough pick, isn't it? Because all those guys were pretty influential and, and I'm not sure who's going to pick up the award. But um, you want to chat a little bit about those guys because, you know, Will did all his work at fullback. Um, it was a bit of a breakthrough season for Stephen. You know, it was the first time it felt like he was playing every single week and minute in Super Rugby, absolutely owned it. And then a bit of a theme for Artie this year with some of his rugby was that he just put things on his back. He was just, just follow me. And, and um, you know, while the Canes didn't have a vintage season, you know, he barely dropped below an, a seven or eight, eight out of 10 game, no matter what the result was for his team, which is perhaps a sign of a, a really good player, which is exactly what he, he is. Totally, um, mate. I, I couldn't agree more around Artie. Um, his year has just been next level like every time that guy laces up whatever team he's in he is the best player on the field um and yeah i think every, every game you're saying you know he's seven or eight i think he's a, an off game for him's a nine like yeah. he is just everywhere and some of those games for the for the canes he single-handedly kept them in it um uh, he, he's been uh immense for not only the, the Hurricanes, but also for the All Blacks as well this year. Um, Stephen Petalfetta, 
you nailed it. Um, he's just grown an arm and a leg, and whether he's playing at fullback or at 10, he made it look really seamless. Uh, the thing I loved about his game is uh, Harry developed his running game, playing flat on the line. You can see the influence of Bowden Barrett, what, what Bowden Barrett is having on his game, um, and the confidence that playing alongside a world-class player like him can do to a to a young to a young man. I think we, we still haven't seen the best either because he's just a real calm head and also with his with his goal kicking ability, he, he hardly misses. Uh, beautiful striker of the ball. Uh, well, Jordan, um, she was like. There's I, I hate making comparisons of players because Will Jordan's just Will Jordan and um, he does some special shit on the rugby field like freakish freakish stuff, but. If I am comparing the the two guys that spring to mind in terms of that freak ability to just to create something out of nothing and always be in the right place at the right time, the the two guys I I, I keep coming back to are Ben Smith and Christian Cullen, yep. and I think he's a, a unbelievably a beautiful mixture of both. Um, he has got unbelievable top end speed, um, and he has got the neck like Cully and and Ben to do did of being able to always beat that first defender and somehow has the ability to read read pitches that three plays before everyone else and just be in the right right place. Um, and again, I, I I hope with whatever's going on with his injury that we haven't um, that we, we see him back because it sounds like it's pretty serious because man, I just think that guy's just gonna keep getting better and better. And uh, the the more opportunities he gets, um, the better he the better he is. And I think we just we just, every time he laces him up, we just see something special. And that's what I love when when Will Jordan's on the field. He's always going to do something freakish. It's actually crazy when you talk about Will Jordan because he stands out in a team full of superstars. You know, yeah. when you look at his backline, it's full <laughs> of internationals, but he still stands out. When you look at Artie Sarbier, there's not that many world class players in the Hurricanes. Will Jordan is like a class above. He's he's absolutely insane. Um, but something that I just wanted to talk about quickly, it's not part of the awards, but on Super Rugby this season, without a doubt, my favourite moment after thinking back was seeing the Fijian Drua and Moana Pacifica yes. come into the competition this year. Like the colour that we saw come out of Fiji was insane. And I was at that first game where Moana won their first game in Super Rugby history. No one thought they could do it. They upset the Hurricanes in Golden Point extra time. That try from Danny Tawala will literally go down in history as one of the most iconic moments. And we've always talked about for so long what the Pacific Nations have given rugby um, around the world, not just here in New Zealand, and to see them there, to see their fans involved, to see the players and how much it meant to them. It was so, so special. Um, and it's only going to get bigger from here. Both teams, of course, take games back to the islands next year as well. So that was the real highlight for me this year in Super Rugby. It was really, really cool. And it is exciting, isn't it? Because we've basically had two years of disruptions. We've had to rip up a drawer every time we make one. But fingers crossed, um, for the first time next year, you know, Super Rugby Pacific will be uninterrupted. We'll be able to have the draw we want to draw. And to your point, all the teams will be able to be where their base, like what we saw for the first game for the Jura last year was unreal. If we're able to replicate that for a whole season of home games, then they'll actually be a real threat at home, won't they, with that sort of support. So hopefully, fingers crossed, um, now the draw's done, settled our relationship with Aussie. We're in for a cracker. Like that. That's what we're hoping for. There's nothing like that atmosphere aside from potentially what we've just seen with the women at the World Cup where it is a celebration. Like Everyone is enjoying it. They're celebrating rugby again. It was so different, Ajo. We just haven't seen it for such a long time. 
and I just want more of that, more of the same. And I'd love that uh, to be replicated back here in New Zealand, where you know it's a, it's a spectacle, and and it's a whenever you see, especially that draw side playing in Fiji, the way that they express themselves, they run from everywhere. The the Fiji DNA of let's just let's just run this caution to the wind. Um, it's refreshing, and that's what exactly what this competition needed. It needed a shot of adrenaline, and those two teams have certainly done that. 100%. Talk a little bit about the sevens. Like First and foremost, a little bit like with Super Rugby, it was just good to see them back out playing again. It felt like for a while there they just they just did not play, returned to the provinces, played some provincial rugby, which was cool. But, you know, the reality is those teams are there to play in, in sevens tournaments this year, comms, games, World Cup as well. Results-wise, um, you know, I know they hold themselves to a really high standard and basically if it's not gold, they're not quite where they want to be, but still played some fantastic footy and I feel like for the men we're starting to bring through some youth, some pace um, and while you know with the girls again they, they've got this great rivalry going with Aussie which seems to be reignited again this year because the Australians are playing extremely well but it was fantastic to see those girls cross over, see the benefit of, of some of our, our wahini who have been professional for three, four, five years and can only think once the 15 girls start getting that sort of time under the belt that'll only be the same for them. You know, they're only going to become as fit and fast as strong as some of those girls that we saw crossing over between the two um, two different um, formats of the game. Any highlights for you guys throughout the throughout the course of the seven season? It's funny, isn't it? With the, the women's sevens program anyway, like the men dominated the sevens when Sir Gordon Titchens was around for such a long time. And we've seen the women do that <laughs> over the last sort of four years. They completely dominated the space. Um any other nation getting a bronze at the Commonwealth Games totally. and a silver at the World Cup would have taken that, celebrated, potentially have had a public holiday to celebrate these <laughs> legends and these sporting heroes. But for some reason, we say that's not good enough. It's amazing that our women have been at the top for such a long period of time. And I think that it's great that there actually is competition again because you need competition. Otherwise, people get bored, right? That's why That's why people started switching off Super Rugby because the Crusades were just winning everything. We need the rivalry that the Crusaders have with the Blues. We need other teams to be better, and it's so good to see it on the seven circuit as well, Joey. They still are winning everything, unfortunately, Chris. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully my Highlanders can change that. But yeah, oh, come on, Joey. Bit. You better come out of retirement. On the men's sevens, I just want to pay a quick tribute to one of their greats who um, has stepped down uh, from sevens duty, Kurt Baker. I had the privilege... He's a good mate of mine and, and played a lot of rugby against Kurt and with Kurt down here at the Highlanders as well. But a real legend of that Sevens environment has been in there for, geez, it just feels like forever. Yeah. Um, and been to numerous Commonwealth Games. Unfortunately, missed out on the Brazil Olympics, but then went to um, the Tokyo Olympics. So uh, an absolute legend of the Sevens game. Um, yeah, stepping down, and you said bringing in some young blood, and I think yeah, that men's side—that's probably what they need. They need to inject a little bit of youth, and it seems that that that's where that game is going, and it always has been an, an explosive sort of uh, based based team, which is generally sometimes a stepping stone into uh, Super Rugby, and then higher honours from there. But yeah, I think they're getting the balance right, and it's obviously been a disruptive um, you know sort of twenty four months for that those two teams because. They weren't able to travel, weren't able to go to events. So they were just based in Mount Monganui, running lines, um, sometimes playing against each other, the men and the women. But um, they didn't really miss a beat, uh, you have to say. And Kirst alluded to it. You know, we, we would be celebrating any other nation, but 
the the standard that we and and probably they do as well in terms of um, the pedigree of those two teams, New Zealand Sevens teams, where they where they um, want to be at, they're probably a little bit short of that. And I'm sure over the ne- before the next cycle for the for the Olympics, um, they'll get back to those sort of heights again. So yeah, really exciting because now that they're back on the World Series, although we've lost the mm. Hamilton League, which just dirty on that that New Zealand <laughs> don't have the league, but. Um, look, it's a fantastic competition, isn't it? And we talk about colour. Um, that that um, that World Series has got plenty of that. The party atmosphere, uh, yeah, awesome, awesome events. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the ABs. Like, what a season! Like, again, it's hard to blim and cast your mind back to the the different times throughout the season emotionally where you were. <laughs> but what I wanted to, um, you know, focus on a little bit is like. What's the good stuff? What's the bad stuff? Like, what do you think's been the most encouraging thing that you've seen from the team this year? I've got a couple of things that I'm really focused on, but you know, f- for a couple of people who cover every game, watch a huge amount of footy, have a relationships with some of the players behind the camera, off the field, etc. What's the stuff that's most encouraging for you as we go into next year, 2023 Rugby World Cup, first game against France? You know how they're not the number one side in the world. I don't know because they haven't lost for about two years, um, and it's in their backyard. How cool's that? You know, what's what's actually um, you know the stuff that you're grabbing onto and thinking that we're going in the right direction? I'll kick us off. Uh, for me, I think the development of some of those young uh, type forwards yep. that we're bringing through. Um, Samasoni, who's one of the yeah, one of the nominees. Pekiaho, I was just I was just about to say um, Samasoni has been a revelation. Uh, obviously, he's in um, pretty. Nice company alongside so, Cody yeah. Taylor and Dane Coles, and, and learning off two of the two of their our absolute best in terms of in terms of hookers and his competition with um, with Cody Taylor is obviously bringing out the best in both of them because we did see uh, Cody T- Cody Taylor play some of his best rugby he has all year towards the end of that Northern Tour, but uh, that front row of um, Samasoni, Ethan DeGroote, and Tyrell Lomax has been um, revolutionary. That from the Irish series. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of the year, where obviously we got dom- uh, where the All Blacks got dominated through the middle of the field, got dominated at set piece time. Our tight forwards looked uh, lackluster um, and look uh, looked unmotivated. Like you don't normally describe an All Black type five with those sort of words, but the way that Jason Ryan, along with this young blood, um, they have slowly grown. We saw some of that in South Africa, but then towards the end of the year, we're seeing um, what what I believe is the is the blueprint for what um, an All Black Type Five should look like. And those boys, they love getting their hands on the ball. They love the physical battle, and their set piece work is is outstanding. And complementing that with a couple of old heads um, who are starting to get back to some of their best footy as well, and Sam Whitelock and and Brody Rattelet. Uh, those two staying on the field and staying healthy going into a World Cup year is key because that's what makes me a little bit nervous. If we lose those two, our depth at lock is a little bit thin. I know we've got got Scott Barrett there who's played a lot of test match footy, but those two guys, you know, they've been to, um, well, Brody going into his third World Cup, I think, and Sam will be heading into his fourth. Um, you know, they, these are these are guys that you need at, at, at that part, that tournament. So that's the pleasing aspect. Uh, I think we're getting some real depth in terms of our, our backline, trying to work out 
where do you fit Richie Moana and Bowden Barrett? You've got to have them both on the field. And I quite like that they played, that they stuck with Richie at 10 and then Bowden at 15 with Geordie Barrett at 12. Uh, I like that combination. So I think they're starting to build some really nice combinations in key positions, Kirst. And what I like is that the selectors are sticking with those guys. Yeah, there's a few things that excite me, Joe. You haven't left me much to talk about, but uh, I mean, you asked us earlier who, who our favourite people to interview were. One of my favourite people to to listen to that have been interviewed is Jason Ryan, and I think yeah. it's so exciting having him in this All Blacks environment. We've seen what he's been able to do with the Crusaders, and we've seen a huge turnaround since he's come into that All Blacks environment. These players are now excited that there's a fresh voice that's coming as well. You can hear it when they when they get spoken to after trainings, after matches. So. Hugely exciting having Jason Ryan in there heading into a World Cup here, probably a year and a half earlier than what he thought he would be in that environment. So it's great for him. Um, another one for me, Jordy Barrett, of course, seeing him at 12. Everyone was screaming out to see him at 12. He, of course, wanted to play there. He said that we know that he's got the size, he's got the talent, he's got the ability in spades to play at 12. And uh, he did himself no favours by going into 12 and being outstanding, didn't he, when we saw him there. Um, and the other one, I love seeing Fawn be rewarded from Super Rugby, seeing Mark Tillier yeah. um, make his debut for the All Blacks and have a couple of matches towards the end of the year. Again, was outstanding on the wing, uh, no nerves. He was so good in those final two matches. Um, and it's just really cool to see that you can actually shine in Super Rugby and there are still positions available for people. And, I mean, you know, we saw Nene Milner scatter in 2015. There's always bolters to come out of Super Rugby in a World Cup year, so maybe we'll see another next year. But in terms of moments, those are the few that stand out for me. Absolutely. And, and the last nominee who we didn't mention was Artie Sevier. We talked a little bit about him at the start of the pod. But, like, I mean, it's the same stuff for the All Blacks, isn't it? Like, even when um, at the start of the year when we lost the series to Ireland, he was still one of the best players on show across both teams, you know, doing arty things like scoring tries from 40 out. But also, I'll just be really impressed as well. He just genuinely looks like a leader within that team. Like he just looks like a player that, that all the guys look to. He, he tries to put everyone on their back and, and makes really good decisions as well, not just with the big dummies and the flamboyant stuff that he's known for, but also he's prepared to roll up his sleeves, get the job done. He's a bit of a give-me-the-ball type of guy. Like I, I just think Artie's had, it's hard to say this, that he's had an even better season than the one before, but I've been hugely impressed. And also, oh, I was one of those people who thought, oh, I'm not sure if Artie can play 80, might be a bit small and, and that sort of stuff, but, you know, you know, stick a fork in it, Rob, like, had no clue. Like, Artie's has been absolutely outstanding and, and has to be, you know, well and truly in line for that award as well, doesn't he? Guys, yeah, totally. Let's, I left it, um, I left this one for the last one because we've talked a little bit about it already. I wanted to finish on this. The World Cup, the Black Ferns, like, I've literally spent the last couple of weeks talking with people about my Black Ferns moment and I on last Thursday I saw Michelle Hooper the tournament organiser yesterday I took the kids down to Omokarao where all the Black Ferns were signing autographs had photos with my favourite player Teresa Fitzpatrick I didn't have a photo because I'm still a bit too gun shy but I pushed my daughter in there and um, and Ruby was there uh, Pungo was there like they were all down there and they were mobbed they were absolutely mobbed and I remember my, my thing was I, I went to the, the French the semi-final game which was and it's all the things you just talked about, the atmosphere that was created and, and um, you know, the way the way the team played, the way the team was supported. But the, the thing is, too, for me, um, was, yeah, we talk a little bit about a changing de- demographic in the crowd, young people, females coming to, to watch the game. But actually, there was plenty of 
good old traditional rugby supporters there as well, like me. The difference being, for some reason, I felt the need <laughs> to be as animated as I've ever been at a rugby game in my life. I'm not sure what brought that out of me, but um, perhaps I'm a bit more reserved when I watch the All Blacks. I'm, you know, why that is, I don't know. Um, but for that game and those moments, I was out of my seat. I was fist pumping, high fives. I've never made so much noise um, in my life. And those those are the stories everyone's telling, isn't it? That's what that team created um, for that home tournament. What What are your stories, guys? What are your memories? I actually, um, it's hard to talk about it because I get emotional. Well, you were right there as well, Kirst. Like you just had the best seat in the house. You were interviewing them. You were sideline. You were taking it all in like you were working, um, but you had the best seat in the house. It was unreal. I, I struggled to work. Like, <laughs> and that, like I'm, I'm not really a negative person, but I can honestly say a couple of weeks before the World Cup kicked off, no one knew whether New Zealand was going to get behind this tournament. No one knew whether or not we would build half of Eden Park, let alone fill Eden Park out three times, you know, across a six-week period. No one knew that. As the tournament went on and, and the support in this way grew, it felt more and more like 2011 when you'd drive up and down the country and you'd see the hay bales that had all whites painted across them, but yet this was for the black yes, ferns. And it's just totally changed sport. Like, that final, I was down on the sideline and I struggled to watch the game because I was just looking up behind me in awe that there is 45,000 people that sold this out two hours after that final and they put extra seats in that we've come this far as a nation. Like it, it just makes me so proud to be a woman. It makes me so proud to be Māori hearing Ruahei Demont and hearing Ruby Tui and, and seeing what they did for our country, our nation, our culture. So I get emotional speaking about it, but it's a game-changing tournament. It's and I and it's just bigger than sport. It's bigger than rugby, and it's bigger than sport. What these women, or thirty-two of those women, managed to do—they're um, incredible. They're great investors, and also you have to give a massive shout out to Wayne Smith because totally. the style of rugby that they played was so entertaining. Someone like my dad, who wouldn't normally watch women's rugby, God, he gets bored watching super rugby sometimes, but he was like, that's some of the best rugby that he's ever seen playing. He genuinely enjoys watching women now than he does watching the men play. Wayne Smith created that style because we have the best athletes in the world. So he allowed them to be themselves, to show what they've got, to express themselves, and in turn, everyone fell in love with them. It's, it was special. It was so, so special. Beautifully articulated, Kirst. Um, yeah, I, look, I, I was exactly the same. I just, I, I felt an immense amount of pride um, watching that that side, especially going on their finals run. Um, <clears throat> yeah, seeing Eden Park in the final and seeing the poi, um, it, it, it felt different to a, to an All Black Test match. And I wasn't there, but where I was, I was in a um, a local slogger. Uh, in, in Christchurch with a whole lot of, uh, after the Christchurch races, with a whole lot of blokes who were watching it with bated breath. Yep. And I think it speaks volumes when you've got staunch males in a pub in Christchurch <laughs> and watching that final silent and when the final whistle went, grown men hugging, excited, pumped. Uh, that shows what that team uh, did in terms of our rugby supporter base. Um, I think, yeah, that they, they 
opened our eyes to it. And I'm stoked that you alluded to what Wayne Smith did because that totally. team was in that team was in disarray. Um, this like this time last year on the India tour up in um, up in the UK and Europe. You know that 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 lost. I think it was four games, and and convincingly lost. Looked unfit, out of shape. Um, their game plan was all up the wazoo. And here's a team with a such a proud um, record, story record, and they were producing that. And then obviously some change happened. Um, the girl, the the the, the our Wahine Toa took uh, responsibility and and transformed how they wanted to play and. Man, did they play an entertaining brand of footy? Like, didn't kick the ball at all. And when they did, it was a shake, but the ball was in play. And that was refreshing from a from a rugby purist who loves the game. I love that. I love that's what rugby's all about is the ball in play. The ball's meant to be getting thrown around. It's our game in terms of the men's game has become far too defensive orientated and defensive orientated. And that's what rules um, in world rugby now. But what we saw was um, a beautiful thing. And the way that oh, I alluded to it earlier, the way that um, those Wahine connected with the whole country um, is a real credit to them and that coaching staff, letting them be themselves and um, letting us be a part of go along for the journey because, geez, I loved it. It was awesome. Bring it on. Bring more of that. We want more of that as rugby fans. Totally. It was a great way for Smithy to sign off, wasn't it? Like he's done some amazing things in his career and perhaps we yeah, thought he was... One thing on that, one thing on Smithy, <laughs> I know he doesn't, want a, he doesn't want a knighthood, I understand. Skip it to him. He's been known as the professor, right? Surely we can uh, officially anoint him the, the professor. Like, give him a doctorate, give him a professor, just the professor of rugby, just call him that. Give Mate, him you're the, down the in Dunners, title. you're close to the School of Medicine down there. Go no, have no, a word, go talk yeah. to... You know the yeah, powers those, that be. Those, um, those academics will, will respect will respect this mo walking in there and telling them to give the 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 hundred um, percent. I mean, they dished out a an honorary scholarship to or degree to McCaw at Lincoln. Surely they can do one of those at uh, for Wayne Smith at Otago. Surely, you know. So, sure. guys, uh, I mean, it could have been. There's some pretty amazing players not on on this list. That's the first thing you notice when you look at it. But for Black Ferns Player of the Year, Ruahay DeMont, Teresa Fitzpatrick, Stacey Fleurler, Sarah Hirani. I mean, God, how how you split those up, I, I have no clue how you decide. And, and, and I'm, the, the, I'm sure the girls don't care. Um, they'll just be happy for whoever takes it out. But they're four powerhouses, aren't they? Like they, they were immense, all in different ways from the leadership to the way – Gossie just crossed over, Sarah Herney just crossed over seamlessly and and played 15s like she'd been doing it for, for 10 years. Stacey Flula running in tries with a massive smile on her face, but gee, she's got some X factor. And then Teresa Fitzpatrick is like a, a throwback to Joe Stanley or something. Like she's she's such a good player, so strong. She put on some – I really noticed it when I was at the ground, just some of the hits she put on, like with an amazing technique, low, cutting people in half, putting them in a staple. Like how you choose between that lot – I don't know, but um, but they're all certainly all deserving nominees, aren't they? That's for sure. You could have put every single person in that squad in there because he used all 32 members and it didn't matter who was changed in and out. Every single player seemed to have the same impact on that squad. That was just the level of athleticism that we had within this team. But when you talk about that midfield, my God, there were comments that New Zealand or the world hasn't seen a midfield combination like Martin Otto and Conrad Smith until now. Teresa Fitzpatrick, Stacey Flula, they have now taken that mantle as the best midfield combination in the world. Stacey just lighting it up, 
every time she touched the ball, that try that she scored in the World Cup final, and Teresa was always there. She was like the unsung hero. Jorge de Mont led this team superbly. From the moment that she was first named as captain in this team, she led them She led them off the field, and there were so many things that, that we didn't even see. Like I think Wayne Smith said, he told the story after the final, the day after the final when they had um, a reception down in Auckland for them. He didn't even know who Rohe was when he first came into the Blackburns environment. They were training down in Christchurch and the girls were mucking around and Rohe said, like, pick up your egg. Wayne Smith is here. Do not muck around. He's not coming here to waste his time. And he said in that moment, she's our captain. Didn't even know her, never seen her play before and he knew right then and there that she was the captain. Yeah. These players have just had such an immense impact on the game. Like, I just don't know how you determine who the best player in the Blackburns are because so many of them, they, totally. they all gave what they could to win that cup. Yeah, 100%. Joey? I think you both summed it up perfectly. It's uh, such a hard one to choose because over that World Cup, um, all those uh, wahine just stood up. and uh, But I, I just can't look look past Rohe. I, yeah. I, I can't like she's the the way she led that side, um, and that doesn't surprise me exactly what Kirsty said. Um, but yeah, the way she led that side from the front, and I, I heard a story that Wayne Smith um, described her as one of the best rugby players he's ever coached. But that's telling in, in itself, right? Um, the professor has coached many a rugby player, but her skill set, um, the way she. Uh, carries herself, firstly, but also the way she led that team. Yeah, she's immense, but all those, all those women were just huge. So, yeah, one of the most competitive awards um, of this ASB awards night. But, you, yeah, you got to think that um, Aurora Hay would have to be the front runner for that in my eyes. Team, thank you so much. I know you'll wear many hats, have to stand in front of many microphones. You've got a, a decent and pretty busy finish to the end of the year. Good luck with the awards. I hope it goes well. I hope you've created a bit of space over the holidays to, to get off the tools and, and um, you know, recharge a little bit. I don't know if you're doing like the, the Brad Weber 10 or 11 years in a row at R&V, but whatever you're doing, enjoy yourself. Um, appreciate your time and, and look forward to, to chatting in the new year when... Yeah, pretty exciting super rugby season is going to get started again and we'll be back into code. Appreciate it, team. Thank you so much. And also thanks to everyone for supporting and watching rugby this year, Men's All Women's. It's been a great year. Yeah, thanks, Rob. And I'll be thinking of you when I'm on the R&V stage, mate, over New Year. Good on you, mate. Good, mate. Don't shave that moustache. It looks beautiful. <laughs> Cheers, team. Appreciate it. Thank you. The All Blacks podcast is powered by our official cloud software partner, SAP, helping our teams of black be the best run in sports. Hosted by Rob Dunn in the Hargrave Street Studio. Produced by Carl Thompson from Blue and Ginge, the podcast producers. Video editing by Mac Leesberg, graphics by Western Design, content advising from Andy Burt, and commercial manager for the podcast is Valeska Hoth. Follow the All Blacks podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts.